HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode of Time for Lunch is brought to you by the wonderfully Michigan Montmorency Tart Cherries at ChooseCherries.com. It's time for lunch. Welcome to Time for Lunch. This is a place to learn about eating, cooking, enjoying, and sometimes playing with your food. Each episode, we cover a new subject. I'm Hannah Forden. And I'm Harry Rosenblum. Tune in for food, fun, and flavor. We have a special guest here for lunch today, and it's up to you to guess who they are and what the theme of today's episode is. Ready? What shape are you? Roundish. Are you grown or made? Grown. Are you a fruit, vegetable, animal, grain, or legume? Fruit toot toot. Where can I find you? You can find me growing on a tree, or at the farmer's market or grocery store, or maybe on your table baked into a tasty pie. What size are you? I'm between the size of a penny and a quarter. What color are you? I come in a bunch of different colors, but most often I'm dark, shiny red. Can you guess what I am? A cherry. What was the joke about the cherry again? Oh, it was pitiful. Now it's time for our question of the day. Remember, the answer to this question is somewhere in the episode, so listen carefully. What color are cherries before they're ripe? Got any cherry anecdotes, Harry? Hannah, I bet you didn't know that I hold the world record for most cherries pitted in one minute. Get out of town. Did you know that the pits of cherries are called stones, and they are super hard, so be careful when you bite into a cherry? In the 1860s, people started to make all sorts of ingenious machines for getting the pits out of cherries. If you look around, you might have one in your drawer at home. My favorite cherry pitter is Tony's push-button cherry pitter. Tony Schlees is the inventor, and his family still make the pitter today. It fits on the top of a mason jar, and it works great. Hello, I'm Susie Schleiss, 
my grandfather developed the push-button cherry pitter. Our family grew cherries. We had cherry orchards. And so it was the big business of the summer. And after each day's harvest, the women in the family would pit cherries in the evening to prepare them for canning or freezing. And we would use hairpins, bobby pins, and paper clips. It was a very laborious project, and we were always complaining. Um, my grandfather said there had to be a better way. He came up with the push-button cherry pitter, which has a rubber strip that cushions the cherries as the plunger pushes the pitter through and into a mason or care or ball jar. We originally did it for the members of our family who grew cherries and then for friends and neighbors in Door County, Wisconsin. But then my father, Tony, decided to send samples all over the country. My dad was a a very interesting person and he loved people and he loved learning about things. And he would send out orders of cherry pitters in recycled boxes. He was one of the first recyclers. He also would put treats in people's boxes, anything from dollar store calculators to little bracelets or lots of different types of candy. And he would also put jokes in them. And he had his book that had every account would have a list of what jokes he sent, what year, and what treats he put in the packages. We've been doing this now for 50 years. This episode of Time for Lunch is brought to you by the wonderfully Michigan Montmorency Tart Cherries. Did you know that there are more than 1,000 kinds of cherries in the United States? But there's one extra special cherry called the Montmorency that I want to tell you about. They're tart cherries, which means they're a little sweet and a little sour. Michigan produces about 75% of the U.S. tart cherry production. That's the state that looks like a mitten way up next to Canada. Montmorency tart cherries are grown on family farms and harvested in late July and early August. It's hard to find them fresh. 99% of the tart cherries are processed into dried, frozen, canned, and made into juice, so we can enjoy them all year long. Yum, I love cherries. Montmorency tart cherries are one of America's superfruit, which means they're good for you. Not only are tart cherries delicious, they provide nutrients and antioxidants that young eaters need to keep their minds and bodies healthy. Learn more about the wonderfully Michigan-grown Montmorency tart cherry at ChooseCherries.com. To learn more about how cherries make it from the farm to our tummies, we spoke with an expert on the subject. My name is Ben LaCrosse. I'm a cherry farmer, and I am in Lake Leelanau, Michigan. And in Michigan, we use our hand as our geographical indicator. And so if you hold up your hand, that kind of forms the shape of the, the lower peninsula state of Michigan. And I am in the pinky peninsula of, of Michigan. So my, uh, my peninsula is surrounded by Lake Michigan. And usually we are very beautiful in the summertime and very cold in the wintertime. And it's perfect for growing cherries. Ben's cherries are almost ready to pick. Right now, my cherry trees are lush and green, and they are growing millions, if not billions or trillions of tiny little cherries. And right now, the cherries are about the pea size 
Um, they're green and so they're not ripe to eat, but um, in about the middle of July, um, towards the end of July, they will start to ripen and we will start to harvest them. If, if you've never seen a cherry tree grow, they're, they're about the, the average size of a, like a 20-foot tree, um, big, green, and luscious. Ben's farm grows several different varieties of cherries. We grow, on my farm, we grow sweet cherries, um, which you would, you would see like black sweet cherries in a grocery store and you can pick them and they have a stem on them and you can spit the pit out. Um, we also grow um, other types of sweet cherries that they grow more red and yellow and those become marchino cherries or fruitcake cherries. But wait, there's more. The final variety of cherries that we grow is called a Montmorency tart cherry. And those are your traditional pie cherries. So if you ever eat a, um, uh, a cherry pie during the summertime, um, odds are that those cherries came from my backyard in northern Michigan because northern Michigan grows about 50% or a little bit more of all the pie cherries grown throughout the United States. And so we're, we're proud to call my hometown the cherry capital of the world. Ben's farm is a family affair. I have two sons. Uh, Keaton is our oldest child and he is 13. Cameron is our youngest and he is seven. And Lauren, our daughter, is um, stuck right in the middle. She's 10 years old. His kids help out in their own way mostly by tasting cherries. You know, really, when you think about a cherry, what's the most fun thing to do about eating cherries? First of all, they're delicious, right? But the best part about eating a fresh cherry is spitting the pits. And so um, my kids really have a, a lot of fun coming to the farm and have pit spitting contests and seeing how far they can spit the pits after they're done eating their cherries. How far can you spit a cherry pit? I think young, young listeners should try to find um, a way to have a cherry pit spitting contest with their friends this summer. Properly social distanced, probably, but there's no better thing than to, than, than to grab a fresh cherry that still has its pit in it, eat the cherry, and then see how far you can spit the pit out. That's, uh, that's one of the best parts about summertime to me. Remember, don't shoot your cherry pits at anyone else, and it's probably best to do your spitting outside after checking in with a grown-up. Thank you so much to Ben LaCrosse for teaching us about cherries. You know what? I'm just about ready for a dance break. Hannah, what's your favorite way to eat cherries? I love them fresh on a hot day. Well, speaking of my favorite way to eat cherries, I made Julia Child's clafouti this past weekend, and I'm going to share the recipe with you. This recipe is inspired by Julia Child's clafouti. If you've never had this treat, it's something like a combination between cake, 
and custard. Major yum. Now I've made a couple of adjustments that make it a bit easier, but you can check out the original version in Mastering the Art of French Cooking. I suggest making clafoutis with your favorite grown-up until you get experienced enough to use the oven on your own. First things first, assemble your ingredients and preheat the oven to 350 degrees. You will need an oven-proof dish to bake it in. I used a glass pie dish. You just want to make sure that it's at least an inch and a quarter deep. Here's what you need. One and a quarter cups of milk. Two-thirds of a cup of sugar. Three eggs. A tablespoon of vanilla extract. A pinch of salt. Half a cup of flour. And three cups of pitted cherries. Next, you're going to combine your eggs, milk, sugar, flour, vanilla, and salt, and mix it up using a whisk or a blender. You want to get it nice and smooth and frothy. If you still see any lumps of flour, keep mixing. It takes about a minute. Then you're going to lightly butter your baking dish. This will keep the clafouti from sticking. Next, put your pitted cherries in the dish and pour your batter over them. You can give the dish a little shake to get out any air bubbles and to arrange your cherries. Then pop it in the oven for about 40 minutes or until the custard is set. You just don't want the center to be wiggly and uncooked. Then take it out, let your clafouti cool on a cooling rack, and enjoy. Up next, our friend Rosie is coming to us with a new book recommendation. Hey guys, it's Rosie Hudson, and this is my review of Harold's Hungry Eyes. One of the fascinating things is that I met the author reading aloud at a book fair, and it was based on food. So that's basically why this book would be there, and that was very fun and funny. The story is about Harold the dog. Um, he always, after breakfast, lies on his chair. One time his chair went in the jump truck. He was so sad, was all around town. Then he couldn't find the truck anymore. He sadly walked home. And then, and then when he came in, he was very sad. But then he noticed a cat that he touched with one paw and then he had a smile and and he slept on there for an hour. At the beginning of the episode, we asked, What color are cherries before they're ripe? And the answer is... They're green and so they're not ripe to eat. Here at Time for Lunch, we love to listen to other good podcasts for young folks. And one we just discovered is called Kid News. K-I-D-N-U-Z. It's got some fun takes on current events, and you should check it out. You can learn more at kidnuz.org. Special thanks to our friend Aaron in New Jersey for sharing his jokes. Thanks for listening to Time for Lunch. We'll be back next week with more tasty stories. You can find the Push Button Cherry Pitter at pushbuttoncherrypitter.com. 
The show is written, produced, edited, and hosted by Harry Rosenblum and Hannah Forden, with engineering by Liam Warner. Time for Lunch is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Time for Lunch is powered by Simplecast. And please stay in touch. Whether you have a joke you'd like to share or if you'd just like to tell us what you had for lunch today, we would love to hear from you. If you'd like to hear your voice on the show, send us your jokes, recipes, book recommendations, poems, or anything else you think we might like. It's easy to record yourself using the Voice Memo app on an iPhone. Ask your favorite grown-up to help you email us at timeforlunchpodcast at gmail.com. And remember to include your name, age, and address so we can send you something in return. And special thanks to our friend Rosie for that excellent book recommendation.